This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Praise the Lord. Uh, We're continuing our series called A Colorful Collection, Colorful Collections from the Bible. What we're doing is we're looking through the Old Testament, uh, people of today, uh, people that are liberal, some churches that are very liberal will literally say that the stories in the Old Testament aren't real, that they're just stories, that they didn't really happen. But we believe at Church on the Rock that these stories did happen, and they are real. Amen? And we believe that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Amen? And, and we believe that God's Word is true. So we're taking a look at the Old Testament, and, we're, and the key when you read the Old Testament is you want to try to see Jesus in the Old Testament. The, the, Jesus is concealed in the Old Testament, but He's revealed in the in the New Testament. So most of the time, I would almost say every time, anything that you read in the Old Testament, there is a parallel where Jesus fulfilled that and was that in the New Testament. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, uh, after Jesus raised from the dead, he was walking with some of his disciples. Uh, Some think it was Cleopas and think it was Cleopas' wife and maybe one other disciple, but they were walking seven miles and they were down and saying, man, Jesus died, he, he, he's, it was a horrible week and all this. And then all of a sudden, Jesus walks up and he said, hey, what are you guys so upset about? What are you mourning about? And they said, man, how can you be in Jerusalem and not know what's going on? Jesus de- is dead. They, they crucified him. And they were all downcast and upset about it. And they didn't even know that Jesus was walking with them. But, but when that happened, Jesus said this. He said, you that are slow of heart, that you that are cold of heart and slow to believe what the scripture has said, uh, he, he kind of gave them that kind of a mild rebuke. But then he did this. He says, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses. Think about that. He started, he didn't say, I rose from the dead. It's me, it's Jesus. He took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all, everybody say All. All the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So everything in the Old Testament, he said, hey, that's me. He took him through the Old Testament, and he said, everything that happened in the Old Testament, that's me. It was a shadow of me. Suddenly, verse 32 says, suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him, Jesus. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, listen to this. How many want your heart? How many want to have a burning heart for Jesus? Does anybody here want to have a burning heart for Jesus? Here's how the word says to have a burning heart for Jesus. It says, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us and explained the scriptures to us? I think many people are going about the burning in the wrong way. We get emotional burnings. We get emotional happenings. But if you want a constant and a stable and a steadfast and a burning and a yearning and a passion for the Lord God Almighty, it comes from being in the Holy Scriptures of God and seeing Jesus. So in Genesis 22, the word says this. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. 
and called him. Yes, he replied, here I am, verse 1. Take your son, look at this, take your son, your only son, this is Genesis 22, verse 2. Your son Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering uh, on one of the mountains which I will show you. Uh, things you need to realize on one of the mountains I will show you is important. Another thing you need to realize, because I love what Braden said a few weeks back when he preached, he said, people that's never read the Bible, you come in, you're like, God's a God of human sacrifice? Really? God God's a, it condones human sacrifice? Absolutely not. There is no place in Scripture where human sacrifice was done unto God Almighty. There's lots of places where human sacrifice was done when they talked about to different gods of this world and stuff like that. There's stories about that, but God requiring a human sacrifice happened none except one, and that was himself, Jesus, the Lamb of God. And it wasn't to appease some ego-driven person God up in the skies. It wasn't some ego-driven reason for it. So, so, so that God could be appeased. It was to pay for sin and the death that came by sin. Okay, praise God. The next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out to the place God told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering. Look at this. Abraham placed the wood... For the burnt offering on Isaac, which is his son's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham. The boy turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and we have the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8 says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. He tied his son, look at that, he tied his son, he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called from him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. God doesn't want to lay a hand on any of his creation. He doesn't want to lay a a damnation or death on any people, that he loves people. God loves people. Do not lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. Look at this, for now I know that you truly fear God or love God. You have not withheld from, you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh, which means You guys, that's Jehovah Jireh. That's where we get the word Jehovah Jireh, God's provider. It's right there, which means the Lord will provide. 
To this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord that he will provide. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And Father, now we pray that you will open up the word so that our hearts will burn fervently for you. In Jesus' name, amen. In this story, you're going to see the story in Genesis 2. It's, it's, a, it's really a story about a, a son carrying up wood on Mount Moriah on his way to be sacrificed. Now, I want you to think about and imagine Abraham's position. You're going up the mountain with your son Isaac. When you arrive at the place of the sacrifice, your boy turns to you with these big brown eyes, these beautiful eyes, and he innocently asks, Papa, I see the wood, but where's the lamb? And I'm sure that question, I'm sure it must have torn Abraham's heart. Guys, it must have torn Abraham's heart, and he had to maybe hold back his emotion. But he grabs the boy. As I was writing this down, I was trying to envision this, and I'm staying real close to my notes here for just a minute because I wanted you to see this picture. He grabs the boy by the shoulders, and he looks him in the eye, and he says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Abraham spoke these words of faith, and it was a prophetic word of what God would do. God would provide, and I think the emphasis is this, God will provide himself. Everybody say himself. God will provide himself the lamb. Now, just as Abraham was about to slay his son, God said, withhold your hand and look. And Abraham looked up, and a ram was caught in the thicket. Listen to this. I believe when Abraham turned around and looked, he not only saw a ram that was caught in the thicket, but listen, I believe that he saw a prophetic vision of the true Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. I believe that Abraham, I believe Abraham saw a prophetic vision of the future and that he saw the Lamb of God that he saw the crown of thorns, not unlike the, the, it was not unlike the thicket that the ram was caught in. Instead of a ram, I believe he saw the, 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 the crown of thorns on Jesus' brow. He saw the lamb fastened with coarse nails to the cross. I believe, you're saying Abraham saw it? Yeah. I believe Abraham saw that. He saw him fastened with coarse nails to the cross. A lamb had been provided for sacrifice of sin. How do you know that Abraham saw it? I don't care what your opinion is and what you believe, pastor, and what you think. How do you know that Abraham saw into the future? Because the Bible says it. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 56 and 58, it says, your father, Abraham, he rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming, he saw it. He saw it. He saw it. Abraham looked forward to the coming of Jesus, and he saw it, and he was made glad. The people said to Jesus, man, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say that, that, that you have seen Abraham? Now they spun it to Jesus and said, you're not even 50. How can you even say that? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. He showed himself as Elohim God. 
When you read, in the beginning, God created, that means Elohim. That means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus was there at creation. Amen? And he's saying, I was there. I was there when Abraham went up the hill. I was there. I was there. Abraham saw it. Abraham saw me. He saw a prophetic vision of the future. And I am the, I am the, I am. He, Jesus said, I'm the I am. And I was there. He told him. What did Abraham rejoice at? Abraham knew that God himself would send his son, his only son, the son whom he loved. Abraham knew that God's son would carry a heaven wooden cross. Listen to this. Up the very same hill. It was the same hill. It was the same mountain range. It was the same one. He knew it would, that he, but here's the difference. The Old Testament is always a shadow. Like the Old Testament was a ram. The New Testament is a lamb. The Old Testament, they only went so far up the mountain. I'm telling you, baby, Jesus went all the way up the mountain. He went all the way up. He would go all the way to the highest peak known as Mount Calvary, the place of the skull. And he would sacrifice himself for the sins of all humanity. That day on Mount Moriah, Abraham saw a prophetic picture of Jesus on the cross, and he rejoiced to see his day. He saw that God would indeed provide himself the sacrificial lamb, and he called that place Jehovah Jireh. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. People just say Jehovah Jireh when they want some money. I say Jehovah Jireh when I see my lamb that provided a sin atonement for me. And that's a lot more important. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap today. So this story, this story is the gospel story. The entire story of Genesis 22 is actually the gospel story. Like this story, God saw our desperate need for an offering for the sin of this world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Guys, that's even after salvation. Are y'all with me today? Even after you give your heart to the Lord, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin... What what do I earn for my sin? What is the payment for my sin? What's due for my sin? The wages for sin is death. How many of you, after you work all week long, you intend to get your wages at the end of the week? Well, as we go through life and and we sins begin to combine and multiply and build up in our lives, the wages are what we earn that for our sin is eternal death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'm telling you, if you've been in the faith 50 years, this should still excite you. Because you're, every person in this room is going to break hell wide open. I don't care if you've been 30 years with the Lord, 40 years with the Lord, 50 years with the Lord. If we're not trusting in the blood of Jesus and the sacrificial lamb and we're trusted in our works and our performance, that isn't going to work, baby. But it has to be the atonement of the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb. It's all about Jesus. 
The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is peace in this world. The gift of God, he provided it. He provided his own son, his own beloved son as a sacrifice for mankind. When John the Baptist saw Jesus for the first time, what did he say? Behold, look, the Lamb of God. He shall take away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. I want you to look at the screen. Jesus in the Old Testament, Jesus in the Old Testament, we, I told you about this, um, the other one, the other, the other slide first. If you notice, you see the lamb. In the Old Testament, there was a sin offering made when you sin. Once a year, there was, there was the, the atonement to where the priest went in the Holy of Holies, and that was forgiveness for all sins and stuff you didn't even know you sinned about and, and, and all that stuff. But when you sinned and you knew about it, you brought a lamb. And, you would, and the priest would inspect that lamb and see that it was perfect and that it was out spot. And then in the Old Testament... You are the person, you'd put your hands on the head of that lamb, and that word says your sin is imputed upon that lamb. And then they would slit the throat of that lamb, and that lamb would be the forgiveness of your sins. Now go to the next slide. And then that lamb would die in your place and would pay for the sins that you had just committed, but then the righteousness would be given to you. A righteousness you didn't earn. A righteousness you didn't deserve. A right, it's unearned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. It's grace. For by grace are we saved. It's, it's unmerited. Even, even after we're saved, sometimes when people are asking God to do things in their life, they, they like tell God all the stuff they're doing for him and, and how faithful they've been. And they've never doubted, and they've been in church, and they've been tithers, and, and all this stuff. We, we try to revert back to works all the time. But brothers and sisters, righteousness is something that's imparted back to you. Grace is unmerited, undeserved, unearned, spiritual favor and blessing from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So that happened. Abraham believed God, and he became the father of faith to those who believe. That's Romans chapter 4, verse 11, that he might be the father of all who believe. And then the next thing I want us to see on this is the gospel story, is our righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Romans chapter 4, verse 3 says this, What shall we say that Abraham our father is found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. Did you all see that? If Abraham's justified or declared not guilty by what he does, are y'all with me? By what, are you justified by what you do? No, Abraham said, if, then he would have something to boast about. He'd say, hey, look at me, look how righteous I am and how I merit all this. And, and, but not before God. What does this scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Brothers and sisters, accounting, I, I know Mark is, a, a, is, a, is in accounting. A, that, 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 that literally means accounting. So all, every time we sin, 
Or, or every time that even our, the, the scripture even says that even our, our, our things, that our righteousness is even filthy. Anything that we're trying to do to earn or to merit or to gain favor with God, none of it works. None of it works. But listen, accounting is all this sin, all this stuff we do to try to get right with God. It's put in our account. But when Jesus, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became my sin so that I might be made the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says this, Jesus made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Do you make yourself wise? Do you make yourself righteous? Do you make yourself redeemed? Do you make yourself sanctified? The person that tries that, they're in works. Jesus, you can look in the mirror when the enemy is accusing you and telling you you are a shameful piece of junk and God's angry with you and he's frustrated with you and you're never going to get it right. And what a pathetic person. I can't believe you're even at church today. That's what the enemy will do to you. But you need to look in the mirror and you need to speak to the enemy and say, Jesus made me righteous. Jesus, even you, even you men and women that think that you have gained something in this world by your intelligence, by your education, by your job position, does that merit you more favor in the church to where you get escorted up to the front seat because you're the big giver at the house? That stuff makes me puke. We're wise. We're successful. We've received promotion. We've received intelligence because he has made that available to us. He's made me wise. I I, I love in Hebrews chapter 2, somewhere through there, it says this. It says, Jesus, it says, Jesus and the one He sanctifies, have the same father. It says, the the one that's whole, I got to read this one to you. It's such a cool scripture. Listen to this. It's in Hebrews chapter 2. I pray it every morning. I don't know why I can't remember it right now. Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. You know how I pray that? I say, Adonai Makedesh. In other words, the God who is a sanctifier, Adonai Makedesh, the sanctifying God, and the ones he makes holy. Are you holy on your own? Or does God make you holy? Does God sanctify you, or do you sanctify yourself? So Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. Woo! Glory to God. 
And it goes on to say that Jesus has no problem calling you his brothers and sisters. Because he loves you so much. He's proud of you. He represents you. Hallelujah. Thank you. My righteousness is from the Lord. This story is a love story. God told Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him, for I know that you truly fear God. Listen to this. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Brothers and sisters, what this says to me is God did not withhold his son, his only son. If you ever wonder if God loves you, he does. He didn't hold anything back. He held nothing back. He gave everything. I never doubt the love of God. He loved me first. I didn't love him first. He loved me first. He loved me when I'm unlovable. He still loves me when I'm unlovable. He loved me first. Get this. He knew me, and he still loves me. Sometimes I don't even love myself. I know myself, and sometimes I'm very frustrated with myself. I don't like myself. I don't like the person I am sometimes. But even then, God loves me. He loves me. He did not hold anything back. My challenge to you is I think if he didn't hold anything back, then we shouldn't hold anything back. I got to say that again. I believe if he didn't hold anything back, then we shouldn't hold anything back. The Word of God says in, in Luke, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and your mother, your wife and your children, your brothers and your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. What do you value most in life? Do we put that over God? Do we put our wife over God? Do we put our husband over God? Do we put our children over God? Do we do things with our children that, that, that speaks the message to them that God isn't all that important? Do we value God? Is he, he gave his best. Are we giving our best back to him? Is God first and foremost is your life? in your life. I believe first things need to be first. Even, even with giving, I'll talk about giving for a second. Carmen and I do not pay the bills. We do not pay the house payment. We do not pay, we don't pay any bill. The first thing we give is we give unto the Lord. Even with Abel and Cain, how do you know that Cain monetarily, how do you know that he didn't even give something of value? How do you know it, it didn't cost more than what Abel gave? How, how do you know it wasn't if Abel, how do you know it wasn't even a bigger pile? Scripture doesn't really say it. But the difference was, is Abraham gave his first. Abel gave his first. 
And I believe that God first living, he gave his son. He loved us first and foremost. He didn't hold anything back. And why are we holding back? Why are we not putting him first? Why are we putting our jobs ahead of him? Why are we putting our work ahead of him? Why are we putting our, 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 our relationships in our... I'm not trying to condemn today. I'm trying to tell some truth today. Why, why, why do we do that? When he gave his best, he gave his best, he gave his best. Are you willing to lay down everything? I bet if you get, if you pin down Chad and Mike and the transformation that they've had in their life, I bet one of the first things you're going to hear come out of their mouth is I totally surrendered. I totally surrendered. I bet if you ask a successful businessman, when did his business start thriving? I bet you'll hear him say, when the first thing I did when I got up in the morning was not check my email and not look at my text and start thinking about what I need to do today, but when I started disciplining myself and saying no to that and saying the first thing out of my mouth will be praise be to the God most high who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. I worship you today. And the men would get down and bow their knees to God instead of just get right. That's God first living. God first living. God first living. I, 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 believe, I, I believe that when we do that God first living, then things happen with success. You know what people want? Abraham's story is a story about obedience. You know what people want? People want this. They want the blessings of God, but they, don't, but they don't want to do obedience to God. They, they, they want the blessings, but they don't want to do the obedient thing. And then they wonder why they're not having the blessing. Uh, some ways that you can say that people want the blessing without the obedience. Um, people want the blessings while they're violating principles. Immaturity by not obeying the basics of Christianity. I believe if you really want God in your life, I believe we gotta get back to the basics of Christianity. And we gotta get back to putting God first. I believe that. He put himself for. And then the last point of this sermon is this story is a story of faith, obedience, commitment, and unwavering determination unwavering our messiah when abraham took that walk up the hill with his son to me i see it two ways i want you to think about when abraham went up that hill it could have been like this every step was torture every step was oh man we need to turn around and not do this every step was oh man i can't i I can't believe what god's asking me oh man what's going to happen today there has to be another way. That could be your steps. I think some people have steps with that. Where's God? Is he really allowing this to happen in my life? Well, don't I do this, that, and the other? I believe some people take that walk up the hill like that, which isn't a good way. But then I believe some people take the walk like this. I don't know how. But I know God will provide. I know God has a plan. And right now, 
it sure isn't meeting my plan. I know right now I don't understand what I'm seeing and what's happening all around me. I know the day that even if my son, even if I have to put a knife to my son, he'll raise him right there. Amen. Hebrews says that, by the way. And I don't know why, but I'm going to trust him completely. And you know where the scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. Everywhere in the scripture, you see, they, I waited for the Lord most high. Waiting is not sitting there in doubt and, and disbelief and, and staggering with God and wondering what the, what's going on in your life and, and why it's happening like this and doubting and complaining and murmuring and bickering. But waiting is when you're setting in expectations. You're waiting in hope, believing, and you know that you don't know how, you don't know where, you don't know when, and you don't know anything else, but you know that God will provide and make that way. Jesus took that walk in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 5. It says, the sovereign Lord has spoken to me. This is a powerful scripture. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me. And I have listened. Man, that word's rich. The sovereign Lord's spoken to me. I mean, we just breeze by this stuff. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me. Well, he's not, sp- he's not spoken anything to me. Huh? <laughs> just saying. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I have listened. I've not rebelled. Not rebelling. I'm not fighting him. And I'm not turning away. This is Jesus talking. I offered my back to those who beat me, I offer my cheeks. To those who will pull out my beard. I did not hide my face from the mockery and the shame and the spitting because my sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Jesus said, Therefore, I have set my face like a stone. I'm determined. I set myself like a stone, determined. Everybody say determined. Determined to do his will. Not my will, his will. And I know I will not be put to shame. I always tell the Lord, arise, O Lord, and save me from my enemies and and how they want to do this and that to me. But the scripture says, let me not be ashamed. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Amen. You're not in Christ we triumph, not the enemy. But the Messiah would be firm. And he would be resolute. Amidst contempt and scorn which he would meet. He had made up his mind to endure it. And he would not shrink back with any kind of degree 
of the suffering which would be necessary for him to accomplish the work that he had chosen to engage in. Purpose-driven living is choice-driven living. So set your face. Again, I'm coming, going to be close to my notes for a second because I heard this specifically. Set your face like flint means determination. Do you know you can only be passionate as passionate as you are determined? Need to write that down. You can only be as passionate because you're going to think about that one. I had to think about that one for a while when God dropped that in my spirit. You can only be as passionate as you are determined. When you're determined, you refuse to give up and you set your face like a flint. People who have dreams overcome obstacles because they see their dreams fulfilled. Remember we preached a while back about the right mental movies? You got to have the right mental movies. You got to see your dreams fulfilled. They did what they needed to do. You might want to write this down. They did what they needed to do in order to enjoy what they liked to enjoy. You cannot be diligent without being determined. You can't be diligent about, without being determined, just like you can't be determined without being passionate. Listen, determination is a mindset, and diligence, I would write this one down, Determination is a mindset. Determination is a mindset. Determination is a mindset. And diligence is the effort that goes with it. Determination is the mindset and diligence is the effort that goes with it. In my notes when I was praying over this. If you see, there's a lot of action right here. I was hearing the Lord like screaming, make a decision. Make a decision. Moses yelled that out one time. Joshua yelled it out one time. I'm yelling it out today. Make a decisions. If God be God, then serve the Lord. If God isn't God and you want the world, then be a sinner in the world. But make a choice. Make a choice. Choose you whom you're going to serve this day. Choose your God. Is your God your ambitions? Is your God your, 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 your self-absorbed and your self-occupied? Is your God, is, is your God yourself? Is your God what you're doing? Or is God your God? Choose this day. Choose this day. Make a decision. You and I know people who decide to do something, but their decision is not a quality decision. They do this. They pick up on something and do it for a little while, but when trouble appears, they're gone and they fall on the wayside. Doing what is right one or two times Doing what is right one or two times or even a few times doesn't mean you're having the victory. Being diligent on a consistent basis, listen, and doing what you know, not what you feel. 
Brothers and sisters, we need to do what we know, not what we feel. Doing what is right, being diligent on consistent days, and doing what you know you need to do over and over and over for a long time is the key. Did you all hear that? We are spoiled with instant gratification. We are, we are conditioned, we are cultured that we, it has to happen now or something isn't happening. It is happening. When Daniel said nothing was happening, the Lord said, I heard you the first day. And things are happening. Things are moving. Brother Robert Hubiner talked to us the other day. He preached something to us in a meeting I was at. And he said this. He said, the Lord called me to pray the Lord's Prayer three years ago. Is it okay if I share this? Seriously. He called me to pray the Lord's Prayer three. What's he going to say? No, you can't. Robert likes to put on pink at night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, brother, you told me I can say anything. <laughs> Robert has this deal with liking to paint his toenails. No, I'm kidding. The anointing's leaving, though. No. Hey, Robert said, there were things in my life that I had been fighting since childhood of temptations. Temptations and, and sinful conducts, like all of us. And he said, three years ago, I started praying the Lord's Prayer every day, and I don't miss. I do not miss. And sometimes I pray it m- millions of times through the day. But you can't pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Lead me not into temptation, but I'm delivered from evil. I'm telling you, it's that consistency and that's that diligent and it's that staying with it and being constant and doing it for a long time to where you look back three years later and you didn't work at it. Christianity should be effortless. He, he, he didn't even work at it. He said, well, I just realized I'm free from that. I just realized I don't do that anymore. I'm telling you, there's something to this. Real winners don't put limits. Real winners don't put time limits on their commitments. Real winners don't put time limits on their commitments. They don't complain about the way as being too hard. They are committed with no conditions. And when they begin, they made up their mind they're going to finish what they begin. I close with this as the musicians are coming. When I was hearing the Lord say, make a decision, I was hearing this, hmm, am I going to live for God today? I, I, I really, everybody look at me a second, don't, don't look at them, because this is like a real important part, because I was hearing this. When I heard the Lord say, make a decision, a lot of people get up every day and like, hmm. Let's see here. Am I going to live for God today? Well, I will if, if it's not too hard or it doesn't cost me anything. Or, huh, I wonder if I'm going to live for the Lord. Well, I've been thinking about living for the Lord, and I might try it. You can't try it. Make up your mind. I'm going to live for the Lord. 
Do you wake up and, hmm, am I going to deny my flesh today? Well, just wonders how much it's going to crave. God will forgive me anyway, so I might or might not. Nah, no. Hmm, am I going to listen to the Holy Spirit today? Well, I will if he doesn't ask me to have to change my schedule or I've got something planned with my kids or I've got something planned here. If it fits in, then I will. Hmm. Hmm. Am I going to resist temptation today? Hmm. This one comes up. I guarantee this one comes up. It starts on Saturday. Hmm. Am I going to go to church tomorrow? Hmm. Well, I'm pretty tired. Had a hard week. Remember when we talked about first things first? Scriptures, it even says the first day of the week. Give it to the Lord. This is God's day. It's not our, well, every day is God's day. Get away from me with all that religious puck. I just made that word up. <laughs> We're to be in church and not forsake the assembling as some are in the habit of doing. It's simple. if, If you're just, hmm, if it's convenient or I have time, I'll deny the flesh and I'll follow the Holy Spirit. I'll go to church. Am I going to give? Well, depends on what bills we have this week. Depends on, you're never going to be a strong Christian until you do first things first. You do the basics basics. Something I'm determined to do is we are going to have to change American culture because American culture isn't biblical. We have been invaded to where godly community and culture, we don't know what it looks like anymore. Kind of like, kind of like in the Bible where it tells you what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous or envious and all that. We don't even know what love is anymore. We got to go back to the Word and see what love really is because we've been told it's a whole bunch of other stuff. Same with Christian culture and community. Brother and sister, I, 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 was, with, I was in a party last night till 1130, and we were singing hymns. I didn't get to bed till 1230. We were singing hymns. We were rejoicing and hearing godly testimonies and hearing the Word preached. Lord, we didn't even... Start supper till 10.30. I loved it. I loved it. To me, that's biblical culture. I, I, I felt so honored in that place. To me, pastors are abused nowadays. I felt honored last night. Oh, you're about that? Well, the Bible says the person that teaches the word, he's not worthy of honor. He's worthy of double honor. I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm just being honest with you. I'm telling you that American culture has changed stuff to where I don't think we even know what biblical culture is anymore. We've changed it to... uh, We've changed it... We've changed it to a production and a show, which, by the way, the reason we turn the lights down is to hopefully... Turn them up. I don't care what we do. Turn them on. Turn the lights on. I mean, to me, we just do all this stuff. If music isn't just right, we're complaining. And 
we've made church about you. We made worship. I, 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 text, I text Braden today and I text a guy and I text three worship leaders today. And I said, when you lead worship today, you have a one-man audience, and that's Jesus Christ. Bring your worship and bring your thanksgiving to him. The American culture has changed it where worship's about you. It's about God. We come for God. You know what? I've had people quit the church because I don't wear suit jackets. You know what? And tell me that's why they're quitting. You know what? I'm, I'm wearing suit jackets, not because I'm trying to please. I, I used to try to please people. I'm wearing a suit jacket now because I just want to do it for the Lord. It ain't nothing about you. It is nothing about you. I just want to look nice for him, and I think it honors you guys. I, I, I want to honor. It's not because, oh, somebody's going to get ticked with me. or I'm, I'm, I'm free of all that junk. The only thing is, it's hard to find one that fits. Oh, <laughs> oh geez. If I took my shirt off, all you wives would love your husbands more. Trust me. <laughs> it's terrible. We don't even have mirrors anymore. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, who who needs who needs to put your hands on the lamb's head today? Who who needs to get rid of some sin? Get rid of some shame. Who needs to come and kneel and put your hands on the lamb and have his righteousness imparted to you? Who needs to make a decision today? I'm serving the Lord. No more wishy-washiness. It's God first living. Who needs to do that? Who needs to be determined and diligent through a very difficult time you're going through and you take your steps awaiting with hope and assurance and resolute and confident in your mind that God is going to take care of you. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.